I'd like to uh, just thank you for inviting my wife and I, Barb, uh, to be with you uh, this morning. And uh, of course, it's a sad, uh, we're very saddened by the situation that brings us together. Uh, but we just worshipped somebody who's bigger and stronger than all the situations in life. I uh, had a friend who every time I would say, well, you know, under the circumstances, and he would immediately say, well, what are you doing under there? Why are you under the circumstances? Don't you know the Lord can lift you to be on top of the circumstances because he's bigger and he's stronger uh, than anything, uh, any circumstances that come our way. So as I thought about today, and I don't know you and you don't know me, uh, I thought it might be uh, a good idea to uh, think together through uh, a psalm that uh, is very familiar probably to all of us, the 23rd Psalm. Um, I was at uh, Chuck's funeral, and John uh, read for us the 23rd Psalm. And, uh, you know, when you ponder it and think about it, it's uh, so rich, like all of the Psalms. And so uh, I invite you to um, join me in just thinking about this. As you know, the 23rd Psalm starts with, uh, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. This psalm, of course, was written by uh, David, uh, Israel's most famous king. And uh, when it starts out like this, the Lord is my shepherd, I suppose, I'm not, I don't know Ridgefield, but I suppose there aren't very many shepherds in Ridgefield, right? Uh, um, but the idea of a shepherd, right, is a leader, right? He leads me beside quiet waters. The idea of a shepherd is a guide, Somebody that I can look to, that I can trust completely with my life and then trust myself to, uh, who I know will be there for me. Uh, the idea of a shepherd is uh, a lover. I fear no evil because why? Because you'll be with me um, and so on. Uh, the idea of a shepherd is a provider who prepares uh, a table in the presence of my enemies and so on. But notice, if you will, right in the beginning, David says, look, um, the Lord is my shepherd. This is personal. It's not just that the Lord is a shepherd or that the Lord is even the shepherd. It's the idea that the Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd. And so uh, immediately kind of the idea pops up, you know, who's my shepherd? Uh, who, who's your shepherd? Who is it that we turn to in the midst of all the different situations in our life? Who is it that we trust? Who is it that we listen to the most? Who am I following? Who is it? Is the Lord my shepherd? Can I say with David, you know what? The single most influential person in my life is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is my shepherd, David says. Now, you know, the Bible goes on to tell us that uh, we have a number of major enemies, three major enemies in our lives who would love to occupy that place in our life of being the most influential voice in our life. Uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil, right, are talked about throughout Scripture as enemies that would love to be uh, in first place in our life. Uh, the world, of course, surrounds us all day long. Uh, the flesh kind of wells up from inside of us someplace. And the devil uh, tries to attack us, uh, is well aware of our weak spots and so forth, and tries to attack us uh, from the outside. Uh, Jesus 
you might remember in John chapter 10, uh, in the 10th verse, uh, told us, you know, uh, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. We have a thief. We have an enemy. And he comes to destroy us. He comes against us. Uh, but then Jesus says, but I, right, have come to give you life and to give it abundantly. Right? John chapter 10 and verse 10. Uh, we have to know who the enemy is if we don't want to uh, be defeated. But you notice that uh, the Lord came to give us life. And if you were to ask the question of Jesus, these are Jesus' words, and ask him, well, who are you, you know, to tell us this, the very next verse in uh, John chapter 10 says, I am who? The good shepherd. I'm the shepherd who's come to occupy that place in your life. I am the good shepherd who gave up his life for the sheep. And so who's our shepherd? Who's your shepherd? Who's my shepherd? Is it some political uh, personality or political party uh, that has the most influence in our life and that we talk about the most? Is it uh, you know, the leftover influence maybe of parents? I don't know how many times I would say to uh, different people through the years, you know, why do you believe that? Well, that's the way I grew up. Well, what if that was wrong? What if God says it's this way instead of that way? You know, and uh, the main influence or the shepherd of so many people's lives is leftover stuff from their parents. Is it the pursuit of money, right? I mean, for many people, the guiding voice in their life is, what is it uh, that uh, will gather me the most uh, amount of money? Or maybe, like so many people, you would say, you know what? I'm my own shepherd. I don't need a shepherd. You know, I figure out what I think, and then I do it. And uh, who needs a shepherd? I can do this myself. And, of course, that uh, usually ends up in a very disastrous way. Um, is the Lord our shepherd? Is the Lord the one we look to? Is the Lord's voice the one that we listen to the most and that speaks the loudest in our life? Because the psalmist goes on to say, David says, you know, when the Lord is your shepherd, you want for nothing. I shall not want. There is the possibility of living a contented life uh, and be free from want. Uh, Americans were big on freedom, and uh, we see it challenged on a regular basis. And here comes uh, Psalm 23, when the Lord is your shepherd, uh, there is actually a way of living where uh, our needs are satisfied and uh, we want for nothing. Now, David was a shepherd of sheep, of course, and sheep have to put their total trust in their shepherd in order even to survive. Um, they have to count on him to take care. They have to come to the conclusion that everything I need, my shepherd will in some way provide. It's kind of a cause and effect statement, right? Um, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Um, and the problem, of course, is that we don't like being sheep. Um, we're not really big on identifying ourselves with sheep. Um, we don't like needing help. Um, sheep are not really the brightest animals that God ever created. And so when we get identified with sheep, we kind of resist it a little bit. Actually, if you think about it, I was thinking about this. Um, 
a bunch of sports teams choose animals as their mascot, right? And so I thought about this, and I made a little list. Uh, you might be familiar with uh, a number of these. We have the Rams and the Lions and the Bears and the Colts and the Panthers and the Huskies and the Seahawks and the Bengals. I can't think of a single team in the entire sports world that says, we're the sheep. <laughs> we're the sheep. We're going to pick sheep to be, you know, our mascot. just doesn't happen. But you might remember, God says, uh, in another familiar psalm, in the 100th psalm, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, and what? The sheep of his pasture. So if we have a view of ourselves that comes from God, and we understand what he means by it, uh, we don't get so uh, offended by that. You might remember too in Isaiah chapter 53, the greatest chapter in the Old Testament talking about the cross, you know, hundreds of years before it happened. And you remember um, Isaiah says, all of us, all of we, like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way. And on the cross, the Lord God laid the iniquity of all of us on the shoulders of Jesus and allowed him to take our place on the cross that we might never have to experience the wrath of God, which we deserve. And so when you think about uh, being a sheep and having a shepherd, we recognize that sheep need shepherds. And uh, our shepherd, the good shepherd that uh, David is talking about, is one who holds nothing back, went all the way to the cross, sacrificed his life. The good shepherd gives his life uh, for the sheep. And only the Lord is capable of being the good shepherd, right? You remember in John chapter 14, Jesus was talking to his disciples. He's about to go back up into heaven, and he, he says to his disciples, you know, uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'll come back and take you to myself and so forth. And, and Thomas kind of asks him, you know, where are you going and how are we going to get there and all of that. And, and Jesus says, do you remember? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. There's no way to get right with God apart from what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, which we are, as uh, Laura mentioned, just you know, a couple of weeks away from uh, what we usually call Holy Week, where we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday morning. And so in the 23rd Psalm, uh, David says, when the Lord's our shepherd, um, he keeps us from want, and he does four things for us, I think, uh, as you work your way through the psalm. First of all, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And I would suggest to you that what the psalmist is saying is that when the Lord's our shepherd, he answers our questions. He feeds us. He makes us lie down. You know, sheep have to be made to lie down. They, they won't lie down if they're afraid of something. And so it's the shepherd's job to uh, you know, get rid of any enemies that might be around. Uh, sheep won't uh, actually lie down if, they have, if they're at odds with one another. And so it's the shepherd's job to get all the sheep to kind of uh, love each other. Uh, and then they'll set, settle down. He makes me lie down. He does what's necessary so that I can rest, so that I can uh, settle down, and so that I can uh, have the answers to life uh, answered for me. Uh, when he makes me lie down and makes me rest, he 
brings freedom from anxiety and tiredness. He satisfies uh, my needs and, and so on and so forth. The second thing it says is that he leads me beside still waters. Sheep don't like running water so much. They like it to be still. And so uh, he leads me beside quiet waters. The word actually means that he leads me uh, alongside of uh, a, like a pond or something, but that also has grass around it so that it's a, like a resting place. Uh, he gives me his peace. The shepherd is the one who brings peace to the sheep, even as Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but I give it to you for myself. I give you my peace. And then third, uh, you'll notice uh, in this psalm, is that the Lord restores our soul. He restores our souls. Now, when Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, he said that you and I are all made up of three parts, right? We have a body. I think most people understand what that is. We have a soul, right? And the soul is the non-material part of us. I say it's our thoughts, our feelings, and our choices, or our mind, our heart, and our will as we like to talk about it. Uh, we have a soul. And then the third thing Paul said is that we all have a spirit. And with our spirit, we connect with God. Why? Because God is spirit, right? And uh, when we're born, our spirit is dead because of Adam. Paul says we're dead in our trespasses and sins. But when we come to Jesus and he becomes our shepherd and we invite him into our life, uh, he puts his spirit inside of our spirit and all of a sudden, we have a whole new dimension of life that comes from our connection with God by his spirit. And uh, it restores our soul, the way we think, uh, the, the way we feel. How do I feel about people? How do I feel about myself? Uh, all that changes when the spirit of Jesus, the shepherd, uh, gets into our spirit and brings it to life. In fact, as you know, in John chapter 3, uh, it's talked about as it feels like being born all over again. All of a sudden, there's a whole new dimension uh, that opens up in my life. He restores uh, my soul. And um, I, uh, I, I, I have a son. Uh, we have a daughter and a son. And uh, my son and I have an old uh, 1926 Model T Ford automobile. And um, when my son was growing up, his uh, bones didn't develop right, his spine didn't develop right, and he had to give up sports. And so we had this old car, and we, we decided we're going to restore it, only we're not going to just restore it to its original condition. We're going to make it better than it was. And so it's got a different frame under it. It's got better brakes. It's got a bigger engine. It's got nicer tires. And, you know, over years, we took this car and made it into something, and, and, and it's restored. Um, and the scriptures tell us that, you know, God is in the process of making us like Christ. Only someday, uh, theologians call it, we'll be glorified when we get into heaven and we will be like Christ. We'll be better than our original model, if you will. But here's what I found out in doing that car. Um, it takes time. It takes creativity. And it's expensive. Right? To restore. And so I think of that in terms of what, uh, the psalmist or what uh, the Lord wants to do in our life, the shepherd wants to do in our life, it takes time, right? It takes creativity. We're all unique. Doesn't it blow your mind that there's billions of people and no two are alike? And we're all something of the image of God? How multifaceted God must be, right? 
Um, it takes time. It takes creativity for each of us is unique. And uh, it's expensive. It costs God the blood of his son on Calvary's cross, the eternal son of God. My God, my God, Psalm 22, why have you forsaken me, Jesus says from the cross. How difficult for the first time in eternity, God turning his back on his son on the cross because why? He became our sin. Um, and then finally, uh, you'll notice here it says that um, uh, this, uh, when the Lord is my shepherd, the fourth thing he'll do for us is he'll lead me in the paths of righteousness. He'll help me to make the right decisions, the right choices. Uh, and I think this is significant too. Trust in the Lord, right? With all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. And he'll do what? He'll direct your path. He's the good shepherd. He's a guide. And we need a guide. Uh, we need someone to direct us. God has a plan for our life, and uh, he wants to direct us in it. And we need that. We need a shepherd because we have two natures, you and I. We have, the Bible says, our old nature, and then we have this new nature uh, from his spirit. And our old nature always wants to do what's just convenient or easy or what seems like fun and so forth. I think the classic uh, passage in this is in uh, Romans. You know, in Romans chapter 7, you remember, you know, this is a great apostle Paul, probably the greatest Christian to ever live. And uh, Romans, uh, you could argue, is probably the most significant uh, letter that Paul wrote. But anyway, in the seventh chapter, here's what he says. He says, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Have you discovered that? Right. And uh, can you identify with Paul here? He says, for I delight in the law of God. I love to come to church. I love to hear the word. I love to sing praises to my God. I delight in the law of God. Uh, uh, he says, I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Deep down in my heart, you know, I love the Lord. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. It's the great Apostle Paul. It's a great uh, dilemma of the Christian life. We have two natures, right? And we wrestle, and we make progress, and the, the Lord keeps us going. But, you know, um, here's what he says in, in the conclusion of that uh, section of Scripture. He says, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. The stuff that I want to do, I don't do. The stuff that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. What's wrong with me, he says. And, of course, the eighth chapter of Romans talks about uh, God's solution to that, uh, his spirit, uh, the spirit of the shepherd who enters our hearts when uh, we allow him. So that's the first part of the psalm. Um, I, I think it's uh, about our temporary life and how to live it with a shepherd. The second part of the psalm starts in verse 4, um, and it says this, um, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why is that? Well, because you will be with me. You're with me. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and the shepherd promises to meet me on the other side. Can I just say, uh, that every other religious shepherd that people look to for guidance and to trust and to listen to is still in the grave. Jesus Christ has conquered death. 
Jesus Christ is already on the other side of our temporary lives. And um, notice, how, how, however, how David describes death. This is just such a great description. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Death is like walking through a shadow. And, uh, you know, a shadow never hurt anybody, right? Nobody ever got hurt by a shadow. But in order to have a shadow, you have to have an object. You have to have a, a reality. You have to have something solid that creates the shadow. And, of course, when Jesus died on the cross and died in our place, took our place on the cross, he paid the price. He died in our place, and he created a shadow, which we now walk through without fear because he will meet us. The same shepherd who walks with us through life will meet us on the other side, the shadow of death. It can scare you, but it can't hurt you. Uh, you remember uh, the New Testament says to be absent from our body is to be present with the Lord. And uh, 2 Corinthians 5. But in order for there to be a shadow, there has to be a reality and so forth. And uh, when Jesus died on the cross in our place, he absorbed the condemnation that we deserve. And the wrath of God was vented on him instead of us that we might never have to face it. Uh, Jesus uh, paid a, a price that he didn't owe because I owe a debt that I couldn't pay. And so he went to the cross, this great shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. And, um, and I fear no evil, the psalmist says, uh, because you'll be with me, and your rod and your staff will comfort me. A shepherd had some tools, some uh, things to work with, and two of them were a rod and a staff. And the rod was uh, usually uh, like a piece of wood that had a knot at the end or where a branch came in, and then it was carved down so that it would fit comfortably in here. It's what we would think of as a club. And sometimes you'll see a picture of a shepherd and he's got it tucked in his belt, right? And it's a, it's a defensive weapon. It's there to protect the sheep. And he would use it to fend off enemies of the sheep. And so he had a rod and he had a staff. And uh, the staff was used to uh, guide the sheep. It was used to prod them and nudge them. And it was used, you know, it always has a hook on the end. It was used to rescue them when they fall off the path. Remember, we're in the Judean desert, and uh, it's, it's rocky. There's not water everywhere, and uh, there's narrow paths that sometimes the sheep would fall off and so forth. The rod and the staff, they uh, comfort me. And uh, you might think of the Word of God as our shepherd's rod and staff in our lives, that the Word of God is used both to protect us and uh, to direct us, right, to protect and direct, to uh, steer us, nudge us forward, uh, to keep us moving in the direction that God plans for us to go in and so forth. The Word of God acts as these uh, tools in our shepherd's hand. Um, and when the Lord is our shepherd, um, you, know, you know what? You can be comforted. Look what he says. You know, your rod and your staff comfort me. Uh, the good shepherd, the shepherd who gave his life in our place, is a shepherd that uh, is able to comfort us in the midst of anything that life uh, tosses our way. And um, not only that, but then the next verse says, you know, that the good shepherd invites us to his table. I don't know, I love the thought of this. So much of life happens around the table, right? Your family and uh, friends and, and uh, when you have the extended family over and so forth. 
we have great memories from around the table where we, you know, think back and we reminisce and, and we share stories with each other and so forth. Uh, imagine the Good Shepherd, Jesus, our Lord, uh, saving us a spot at the table. We have a place at the table of the Lord. And imagine what that would be like. Um, the Bible talks about in Revelation the marriage supper of the Lamb, this gigantic feast uh, that's in our future as uh, we come together at the table. And notice that it's uh, it's prepared. It's not just uh, our uh, Lord is going to just wing it and hope that you know there's enough Chick-fil-A to serve everybody or something like that. No, the, the feast that's been prepared for us has been prepared since the beginning of time. Jesus is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world because our God is sovereign and because our God knows what was going to happen and so forth. Uh, this plan of salvation, this preparation for this feast of salvation that God uh, wants to give us has been prepared for a long, long time. Uh, and, of course, you know, we, we still have this enemy that we contend with, uh, the world, the flesh, the devil, and so forth. And then uh, you'll notice uh, what it says here, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The world, the flesh, the devil, be gone uh, on the other side and we'll be free. Uh, we don't have to worry about our end. We don't have to, you know, vengeance is mine, God says. I'll take care of it. I'm going to prepare a feast for you. You're going to sit around my table and all these enemies of ours, you know, they'll be held off and they'll be jealous of, wow, we should have paid attention uh, back when we had the opportunity and, and so on. And then uh, the second part of verse 5 uh, says, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So uh, the anointing of our shepherd who anoints us. And um, this is interesting. Uh, oil has several purposes when it comes to sheep. Uh, first of all, it repels insects. Uh, second, it was used to heal up wounds. And third, uh, it was used actually to prevent uh, injuries. Uh, when two rams wanted to have the same bride, right, they would just bang into each other and fight for it. And uh, the shepherd would take oil and put it on its horns so that they would slide off of each other rather than hurt each other. And so it was used, uh, the oil of anointing of the shepherd was used to prevent injuries if you will, and uh, it was used to heal up uh, wounds, um, you know, when uh, they would uh, bleed or whatever, oil would be used to, to do that, and then they would, uh, the oil was also used to uh, uh, get rid of uh, what are called nose flies that are particularly uh, drawn to sheep. Uh, it's a fly of some sort in the Middle East that um, actually loves the noses of sheep, and it gets into the nose and lays its eggs, and the, legs, uh, the eggs become larvae, and it's kind of worm-like, and it can go all the way to a sheep's brain and uh, drive a, a sheep crazy. And so oil was put on the head of the sheep that was kind of like, uh, I don't know, maybe a citrus kind of thing that these particular flies didn't like, and uh, it was used to protect them from the annoyances uh, and the threat of these uh, flies. Now, the good shepherd anoints us as well. He anoints us with his spirit, as we talked about. The oil of his spirit. And he heals our wounds. He heals our wounds. He's able to heal our wounds by his spirit. 
anoints us with, uh, in John chapter 14, it's called the spirit of truth so that our enemies can't deceive us. We can know the truth, and the truth makes us free, right, once we know that. And in uh, Hebrews chapter 1, talks about the oil of gladness or the oil of joy. Uh, our shepherd, with his anointing, um, is able to uh, give us the kind of joy that he wants us to live with. And so uh, David said, you know, I need your anointing. Um, and it's interesting to me that he says, you, you, my good shepherd, you anoint my head with oil. I don't want some other prophet to come and do I don't want another sheep to be able to do, you know, to anoint me. Uh, I don't want a counselor. I don't want uh, a teacher. You know what I want? I want you, my shepherd, to anoint me because you know me individually, deeply. You know uh, the oil that I need and so forth. And uh, it's kind of neat when you think about this, that uh, that's what God is willing to do, that he's willing to come and to anoint our head to the point that our cup overflows. And uh, he has more for us than we can even take in. And then uh, finally, the last verse here, the sixth verse, uh, sort of a summary verse. Uh, I think he says, uh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Right? That's the first, that's the temporary part of our life. And, uh, and then on top of that, I will be able to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I like the word surely. Not, hey, if you're lucky, you know, uh, if you're lucky, maybe goodness and mercy will follow you through your life. You know, uh, if, 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 if perhaps goodness and mercy will follow you through your life. Do you believe that God is good all the time? And that all the time God is good and he can be trusted. Goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And you know what? We need goodness and we need mercy. We need his goodness because our compass gets pretty skewed in the world we live in as to what's right and what's the right path and all of that. Uh, I would tell you that um, what you believe is the single most important thing about your life, what you believe, because what you believe, especially about the good shepherd, will influence the way you think. It'll change the way you think. And how you think will change the way you feel. And how you feel will determine the decisions you make. But the foundation is our belief, our faith. And if we trust the good shepherd, he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. How about that word follow? When we think of a shepherd, we think of a leader. We think of somebody who's out in front, somebody, a guide, who's showing us the way, and, and we're going this way. But here the psalmist says, you know, when we turn our back on the shepherd, you know what he does? He follows us. <laughs> he pursues us with his goodness and mercy. Haven't you found that to be true in your own life? At some point, you know, you're just convinced that God wants you to do turn left and, and you turn right, and now you got your back toward him. Uh, do you think he says, well, you know, I, I gave you a shot. You know, I'm done with you now. No. Surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me. It's gonna, the, this God is not going to just let you go and say, well, fine. No, all the days of your life, goodness, the goodness of God and the mercy of God, the love of God, the grace of God, will follow you and will be tugging on you. Hey, come on, turn around. 
Turn around. Stop. Repent. That's what it means. Just turn around and follow me. That's the good shepherd. That's our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is uh, my shepherd. He follows us even when we turn our back on him. And uh, in addition to that, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Remember when Jesus was here, he says, I, I go to prepare a place for you. Do you believe in a place? Do you believe there's a place for you waiting? I believe in a place. I go to prepare a place for you. And, uh, you know, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be with me because I love you and because I'm your shepherd and because you invited my grace into your life. And uh, you put your trust in me and you allowed me to be uh, your shepherd. Our citizenship is in heaven, the Bible says. And from it, we await a savior or a shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so I just leave you with one question. Can you say, can I say with David, the Lord is my shepherd? That's who speaks the loudest in my life. That's who I want to listen to. And I want to weigh everything else that comes in up against this plumb line of this shepherd who is a good shepherd and who gave himself for me that I might spend eternity uh, along with him. Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, this is uh, such a popular psalm. Uh, we say it all the time. We read it, but uh, it's great to be able to just take a little time and think our way through it. And uh, when we do, Father, we realize it's so rich in all that you want to do for us. And so, Father, I just pray that each one of us here today, and if we haven't done this already, that we can know that we can do this even today, that we can just say, dear Lord Jesus, please be the shepherd of my life. Please come in and speak and allow your spirit to animate my spirit that I might enjoy the life that you created me for. In Jesus' name we pray.